How worried should you be about a top running back getting added to the injury report midweek? How do you treat struggling studs when it comes to setting lineups? And is Daniel Jones still about to pop off in Kansas City without his best weapon? Plus, the 2021 FFPC main event third place team owners, Don Barani, Sean Stutzman, and Nick Costantino. I'm going to get all those names right before the end of the night. They kick it with us as they discuss whether Julio Jones needs to be benched obviously this week since he's out, but going forward, whether Alvin Kamara's workload is about to decrease with the addition of Mark Ingram and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me the lesson. Make out of the lesson. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I want to thank Rob, our producer and mutual friend, uh, and uh, of course the Quiet Hollers who are responsible for our theme song. Check out their music at QuietHollers.com. I am once again your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is indeed the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, I know we there, there's some college football on tonight. There's a World Series on. And me being a Cheesehead fan, I am, of course, tuned in to NFL Network watching the replay of last night's Arizona Cardinals-Green Bay Packers game. Well, it's going to end the same way, Balky. Were you surprised at that ending <laughs> with your just-signed-off-the-street corner? And I loved the, the postgame where, uh, where your quarterback could have said anything and gave a lot of uh, props to that player. That, that shows a good team concept, I think. Aaron Rodgers is big on locker room chemistry for sure. And so he was, by the way, singling out uh, former Arizona Cardinals practice squad member, Rasul Douglas, who picked off Kyler Murray to end the game. Um, and and uh, I, I just, I was, the, you know, I was watching this game with a couple of my friends and, and I was the guy, the Arizona Cardinals fan in the stands where Rasul Douglas picks off Kyler Murray and he goes up to all the Packers fans in the stands and there's one Cardinals fan with his face buried in his hands, and he doesn't even want to look up. And that was me. I was in shock. I couldn't believe it happened. You know, this is like shades of Russell Wilson and Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl from a few years ago. It was, it was unbelievable. It was a great game overall, uh, regardless. Um, I thought the Packers' defense played great. I thought the, the shorthanded Packers' offense was really, really good. And, and I mm-hmm. thought Arizona made some plays. You know, they kind of got shorthanded with when DeAndre Hopkins had that hamstring issue pop up, and, 
and you could tell that they just it, it just wasn't the same game plan uh, going forward. Um, but yes, I'm excited for it to end the same way, and that will be going on in the background as we do the show tonight. Coming up on this uh, show tonight, we're going to nitpick about whether David Johnson is about to become flexworthy. Uh, shout out to uh, Wasp guy in the chat room who already asked us that. We're going to pontificate on Jacoby Myers' future performance against the Chargers this weekend, and we have a trio of guests hopping aboard shortly. Don Barani, Sean Stutzman, and Nick Cosentino are the third-place team owners in the FFPC main event. They're going to hop aboard and share their thoughts on some sleepers to get into your Week 8 lineups, their analysis on the Bills' running back core, and much more. Shout-out to the chat room right now. If you guys have any questions, post them in there now. Uh, we are on Twitter at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. You can always learn more about Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. Um, our guest tonight, uh, Dom Barani, is on Twitter at Dominic Barani. Sean Stutzman is on Twitter at Sean underscore Stutzman. And Nick Cosentino is on, uh, Costantino is on Twitter at NickCos88. Facebook.com is where to reach us here, facebook.com slash HSFFR. 347-426-3682 if you want to give us a call. That's 347-GAME-OVA. High Stakes Fantasy Football at gmail.com is the OG way to contact us. If you want to connect with us uh, tonight with any questions, Send those questions in right now. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails, and the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, and, of course, Rob, who I mentioned earlier, for helping to put together the show tonight. Uh, rotoviz.com slash podcast is your home for the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Adam Krautwurst, this week's guest on there. Adam Krautwurst, the co-host of the Deep End Fantasy Football Podcast, a division of DraftSharks.com. Good stuff from him. Um, and a uh, really fun episode to put together. So check that out, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Uh, Adam's a good guy and brought a lot of knowledge to the table. He's got a top 20 team in the FFPC main event. You want to find out how he managed to get it there, listen to that show. Listen to tonight's show because we're going to talk a little bit about what happened last night in the desert. Uh, Ian Rappaport says that Robert Tunyon, the tight end for the Packers, um, uh, suffered a significant knee injury. We have since found out that is a torn ACL. Matt LaFleur said he was sick. For Robert Tunyon, after he uh, you know fell to the turf after that non-contact injury, essentially it was a contact injury, but the, there was no contact in the knee. Um, he's out for the year, and it sounds like it's going to be Mercedes Lewis and Josiah Deguara as the top two tight ends. Josiah Deguara as the pass-catching tight end of those two. He had two catches for 20 yards last night. Farrell, you look at this situation, and everybody in the FFPC is always looking to catch on for that next tight end. Is there any value in Mercedes Lewis or Josiah DeGuara now for those high-stakes players in the FFPC with Tunyon out for the remainder of 2021? Oh, Mercedes Lewis will thrill you with that one-handed catch that he made. But they're going to be they're going to be very infrequent. Josiah DeGuara, you know, it's fascinating. When you look back at last year, his season came to an end, and when he was drafted, um, in the third round, a former Cincinnati Bearcats. We were very, very familiar with them. Um, I expected him to do some things towards the end of the season. And his season in 2020 uh, came to an end with a similar injury uh, in October. Now he gets his opportunity with with the ACL and, and Robert Tanyan. So, yes, he should be a player um, that should catch the attention of our FFPC um, uh, managers. And, Balky, you know, if you've got money left in your fab budget, you probably can't spend it in a better in a better place. And, and this guy does – it seems to do more with potential. He can quickly move 
to into realizing his potential. He did it when he came from junior college to Cincinnati. He did it as he moved through the draft. He was one of those guys that shot up the draft board using the senior bowl, using the combine. He said, it's interesting to note he was a six-foot, two-inch tight end. That's a little bit out of favor. But uh, I think the Packers made a very, very good move in picking this player. Um, if you want to spend uh, money and, and you still have some left in your fab budget, maybe you look towards the Chargers' backfield, Farrell, because uh, Austin mm-hmm. Eckler is officially listed as questionable against the Patriots this week. Brandon Staley, the head coach for Los Angeles, uh, said that Eckler felt sore after Wednesday's practice, and then he did not practice yesterday, nor did he practice today, which is Friday. Now, he, the, the, the team itself says that they're hopeful that he is going to play Sunday, and you never like yes. to be added to the injury report in the middle of the week. So this doesn't sound like a traditional like um, DNP Friday, which normally if, if you get a DNP on Friday, you're probably not playing on Sunday. It sounds like he could go if he can't. Justin Jackson um, is probably going to be the guy uh, to, to start in this offense. The Chargers, as I look at the NFL schedule here before week eight, that is a late game, which is always problematic. Farrell, what's your read on the Austin Eckler situation and how high-stakes owners should be treating it? It, uh, it? It's terrible for the game when Eckler doesn't play. And it is, you know, your team, that, that's one of your first-round draft picks that you've been counting on to get better and better throughout this season. So he's a player that will be sorely missed. That, that writer sort of referred to the – to the backfield as a bit of a jumble, and I don't see it that way. I see these uh, I see these backups, the worthwhile players, and, and they should be rostered and they should be played. Uh, you shouldn't look to another team. It's very much like what we experienced with uh, Waller going down and uh, Foster Moreau starting. He stepped in. He played very, very well. You know, uh, Joshua Kelly, you didn't mention him, Balky. You hear that expression, catches everything, they throw him. You know, last year, 23 uh, targets, 23 catches uh, from Josh Kelly. And you take a look at Justin Jackson, the numbers have not been impressive and very little work this year. But Justin Jackson in this league and and, and, and coming off the bench and playing, uh, six and a half yards a rush uh, in, in 2019 – uh, better than four and a half yards of rush in 2020. These are good complementary players that can take the opportunity and run with it. And, you know, people will say, well, they've had opportunities. They haven't done much with it. I say they've done a lot better than a lot of young players would have done. If they get this second opportunity with some seasoning, you'll be glad you have them in your fantasy lineup. Moving on to a player you're probably not thrilled to have in your fantasy lineup this week, and this is another guy, Farrell, that got added to the injury report midweek, and that's Corey Davis. He's listed as doubtful to play the against the Bengals this Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. Davis is, uh, is going to be, uh, even if he is active, he's going to be catching passes from Mike White since Zach Wilson mm-hmm. is hurt. So this is, this is really bad for, for the Jets skill players all the way around. Um, so far, his, um, uh, he's been very uh, impressive so far this season, given the fact that he has been playing with a rookie uh, quarterback. Um, this should open up the opportunity for Elijah Moore, Keelan Cole, Denzel Mims, and more. But, Farrell, I guess I look at the Jets this week against, a, a, quite frankly, an underrated Bengals defense. I don't yes. know if I could start any of these pass catchers with any kind of confidence with Mike White throwing to him. Do you like any of them this week? 
I don't like them this week, and it has more to do with the Cincinnati defense and the way they play. This defense is coming into its own. They're very, very aggressive. They cause receivers uh, a lot of angst as they try to get in and out of their routes due to their physicality. Now, if I had to play one, and that could happen, you know, if you had perhaps stacked Raiders and Ravens and you're in a situation where you're limited, uh, I might look towards Elijah Moore because when uh, Mike White and Elijah Moore running the scout team plays deep in the depth chart, these two probably have got a connection. Mike White is still to be determined. You know, Dallas gave up on him after giving him a good opportunity. He made his way out of Western Kentucky into the NFL through excellent senior bowl play. He had a really good week down there. I guess it was in 2019 now. Uh, He was not a disaster in coming in in a relief role. This is a challenging situation, and the veterans on this team are going to have to step up and help him. So, you know, Davis being his best uh, shot, it's a a difficult situation realizing that he will not have that player to lean on. We have our guests coming up in just a minute here, Don Barani, Sean Stutzman, and Nick Costantino going to be joining us, the third-place team in the FFPC main event here in Week 8. Last thing I want to get to uh, before we get to Dem Farrell is something that uh, Hudson Kern-Reeve brought up in the chat room tonight, and that's uh, David Johnson. Aaron Wilson, who uh, covers the Houston Texans for Sports Talk 790 in Houston, said that Houston is actually, quote, expected to feature David Johnson, end quote, following Mark Ingram's trade to New Orleans. Now, David Johnson um, uh, is, is going to assume a larger work, workload this season, uh, mm-hmm. 20 to 40 rushing yards is what Mark Ingram was getting in uh, for the Texans prior to his trade. And David Johnson, when he has been the guy, hasn't necessarily been so great uh, for Houston. But the fact that he is getting an uh, added workload, um, he, he's been uh, the leader in snaps among the running backs in Houston so far over the last month. If he gets you know, up into the 70s as, as far as snap counts, now you're looking at a flex player here, Farrell. What is your read on David Johnson going forward in the suddenly Ingram-less Texans backfield? I know David Johnson. I've always appreciated him. I wonder, you know, when he was a freshman at Northern Iowa and he's watching Mark Ingram pick up his Heisman Trophy and he has aspirations someday of playing professional football at a high level, that if you ever imagined the fact that Mark Ingram would be traded away, for a seventh-round draft pick in a couple of years to, to give him an opportunity to play. It's amazing the football stories and the backstories with it, but I, I've known this player since his rookie year, actually before his rookie year, and I, I very much like him. Now, you know, I don't want to talk too much about last year, but if you do want to talk about any kind of running game, Uh, that came from Houston, it's necessary to talk about last year. And it's a team that has not found its way. You know, they've lost their quarterback, and and everything has spiraled out of control there. So I think giving him the focus of this offense is a very good move. And it was late in the season last year, uh, and, and many fantasy players have put their year to bed and may not have noticed, but David Johnson had two very fine games at the end of the year, and it pushed him all the way up to right at 700 yards rushing for the season. And and we're dealing with a guy that knows how to catch the ball, 
and as he ran uh, well late in the year, pushed his average up to 4.7 yards a carry. My point is this player is anything but through. And I I watched this player come on and off the waiver wire this year, and anyone that has him rostered, I don't think, especially with bye weeks coming up, I don't think you should hesitate to start him as your number two running back because uh, you'll be getting that kind of – uh, volume and and you know, Houston's going to play better ball down the stretch, and he's going to be right in the middle of it. So I'm uh, I'm far from saying that uh, this situation is a lost cause. You know, this is a new situation with a lot of problems. They're only seven games in in their schedule. They've got um, uh, uh, ten games left to go, and in our schedule, not as many. But there's still some usefulness uh, for David Johnson moving forward. Yeah, and he's probably owning a lot of your leagues right now, but if you do have him, if you did hang on to him, especially you zero RB guys out there, I think it makes a lot of sense to start looking at him as a flex, or as Farrell said, you know, maybe a top 25 guy that you can plunk in uh, at running back as well. Uh, that patience, uh, remains patience, to be seen patience, as you forward. You know, That's right. Uh, you you are totally right. One, one of the things, and I'll just, as a tease to the high-stakes lowdown this week um, with Adam Krautwurst, uh, he said, "Never drop a running back because, and you no. know, which is insane. Right? I mean, but but if you if you read between lines, there, never drop a running back means these guys are always just one play away from being a bell cow, from being a three down back, from being a difference maker, and you always want to have them on your roster. And and as I've been placing waivers in the KFFSC throughout the year, I have have always." Um, uh, erred on the side of caution. Um, I've kept Ronald Jones around against my better interests. You know, players like that, knowing mm-hmm. that these guys aren't that far away from being a difference maker. Let me tell you about a difference maker. Nay, not uh, one, not two, but three difference makers in the FFPC main event right now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Don Barani played his first FFPC league back in 2018. He's taken the leap from perennial home league contender to high stakes redraft and dynasty hopeful. The pandemic last year only helped escalate his passion for fantasy football teams. You'll find him on his Discord server during the football season talking strategy with his closest confidants. One of those guys is indeed Sean Stutzman. He joined his first FFPC league back in 2019. This is his second year in the main event working with both Dom and Kaz. Who is Kaz? Well, let me tell you about Kaz. Kaz is Nick Costantino, who is in his second year in the FFPC. He's been managing fantasy football teams for the past decade and a half, joined forces with Barani and Stutzman in higher stakes leagues uh, and, and teams. And one of those teams currently sits in third place overall in the FFPC main event as we head into week eight. Please welcome into the program Don Barani, Sean Stutzman, and Nick Costantino. Gentlemen, welcome into the program tonight. Uh, the first question is, is for all of you, and Dom, I'm going to pitch this to you first. Uh, we're going to talk fantasy football with you. In fact, this could be kind of an extended interview because we have three guests on tonight, which is awesome. Uh, but, Dom, can you tell us what you're doing for a living when you're not uh, uh, playing so well in the FFPC main event? And then when you're done, uh, Sean, go ahead, and then and then Nick right after Sean. Well, sure, Balky. Uh, thank you again. That was a hell of an intro. Uh, glad yes, to be sir. here. My name's Don Barani. We'll try to keep uh, we'll try to keep this from dragging on too much with some succinct answers. But I am an accountant by day, uh, CPA by uh, schooling and training. I've recently moved into a systems role where I'm working with uh, accounting information systems for a publicly traded company here in Buffalo, New York, where I was born and raised. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm Sean. Uh, thanks for having us on, Balky. Appreciate it. Um, I am in car sales. Been doing that for about five years. Uh, play a little poker on the side. A little bit better than break even, so I enjoy that uh, for some fun. And this is Kyle. Nick, are you there? Nick. Yeah, go ahead, Kyle. Yeah. Sorry. Go, go ahead, Kyle. Yeah. Yeah, so outside of my favorite um, thing to do, which is coaching football, I like to also play poker. Uh, I got a few different groups of friends that we get together and play some home games, and I crush my friends pretty good in that, so that's always fun. <laughs> poker players and Bills fans, Farrell. This is a this is a good, this is a good group of great guys. We got to. It's never a group that I would like to hang out with. Better balky. Now I, you know, there's a lot of brain power going on here, and uh, you know, I think that uh, I, I I think the answer here, and you know, the fellows said that they weren't going to spend a lot of time. They weren't going to drag things out, which allows me to get into one of my stories, which you know means that I'll start dragging things out. And Hudson Kern Reed, by the way, <laughs> it was great that he could be here to ask a question, but he should be in the stands over at the stadium trying to push his Cornell team in front of Princeton. Uh, Princeton had like a four-touchdown lead on him. Maybe he was there earlier and left. But, you know, this is, this is great because i got to tell you guys, my father served in World War II, and he didn't tell me much about the military world but he would tell me these great, great stories of these Italian guys that he served with. And, you know, and, and I was so jealous because I never been, growing up in West Kentucky, we didn't have any Italian guys, you know. So I've, I'm listening to these stories, and I think it's wonderful. You know, and I look in popular culture, and the Italian guy is always a sharp guy. He's got things going on. He seems to have all the great lines, all the great roles in the movies, but I don't know any of them. And now I bring my attention as I start looking at things. I think, well, who's the first NFL player that uh, that I ever met? It's an Italian guy, Babe Riley. He's the guy that Bear Bryant used to launch his offense at Kentucky before he took it on to bigger things at Alabama. And then I say, well, you know, and then I say, well, you know, I'm a baseball historian. The 27 Yankees, all they do is talk about Ruth and Gary. But you know, Tony Lazari, he was the guy that made things work. When when, you know, Italian-Americans back then, they didn't get necessarily all the greatest opportunities. But Tony Lazari was the key to that team. And I think about when I started um, as a player agent in the NFL, uh, my first year group, I went into the draft with a guy named Monaco, a guy named Tripoli, and uh, a guy named Chicolo. So I'm thinking exactly about Sean, because I think he should be like the 27 Yankees, you should be like my dad in World War II. You should be like Bear Bryant. You should be like me as a young agent. If you want to experience some success, most importantly, be like Sean and surround yourself with a couple of Italian guys and go in. Because <laughs> I think that's what's going on right here. And I've got lesser fantasy football questions that I could ask you, and I'm going to get to one right now. But I really think that's the key to success, and, uh, you know, I'm going to keep my eye on that. But I've also been keeping my eye on the Denver Broncos, fellas, and and you guys drafted in the sixth round Javante Williams. Now, I drafted him in the sixth round a couple places, but I can't even get to third place in my league, and you guys are third overall. How are you using this player uh, going forward? And what do you do with that dance of Williams and Gordon 
and how does that dance play out over the rest of the year? Well, I think there there's an optimistic side here, right? We understand that Javante Williams coming out of college profiled to be someone who was going to play very well in the NFL one day. He comes into a situation in Denver with a well-established veteran teammate who, while some might discuss and is like easily talked about as perhaps being on the the cusp of being washed out, he clearly hasn't Mm. played that way. He wasn't the most efficient player in his career. He never has been. Um, But they're splitting it right down the middle right now. You're not even seeing any particular indicators that Javante is more explosive um, you're seeing 50-50 sharing the plays. I don't, I don't know that I expect that title shift to happen where Javante takes over this backfield this year. Keep in mind, too, Melvin Gordon's only under contract through the year, and I think some of these teams are wisening up to their usage of, of younger running backs and just understanding when it's best to, to split these guys, right. um, not force them into a role they're not ready for yet. And, well, like I said, he seems to be the uh, – the last missing piece to this third-place team's puzzle. Um, I can't say I necessarily expect uh, that to be the case uh, yet this this season. Um, okay, so, Sean, let's let's switch this over to a different yeah. position here. Tyler Boyd, wide receiver. You guys got him in a few of your leagues. This is a guy that I love. Yeah. Pretty much I've, I've loved his whole career. He just always seems to be undervalued. Uh, to me, he struck me as an undervalued guy again this year. And he came off pretty good. To start the season, not so much uh, lately. So how do you handle starting a guy who has been, quite frankly, a stud semi-recently, uh, but he's been so sporadic so far, including some pretty bad weeks the last couple weeks? What are you guys doing with him, Sean? Well, so we were pretty high on the on the Bengals' pass offense to, uh, to begin with at the beginning of the year. That was one of our focuses. We were trying to make sure we had decent amount of shares of all, all three pass catchers there, Chase, Higgins, and Boyd. Just because you know, the volume, we thought the pass volume was going to explode with Joe Burrow coming back for a second year. We kind of expected that offense to take off, and it it, it has, but it's kind of left Boyd in the dust a little bit. Um, generally, the way we look at it and the way I'm looking at it anyway is I think Boyd is a guy that you can pretty much leave on your bench if you have any kind of reasonable replacement player for him at this point just because I don't think the target volume is going to be there for him in the long run. He's almost I, – I approach him almost like a handcuff to those two top receivers in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. If one goes down, Boyd becomes a little more playable. Um, but – uh, luckily for us, our ownership of Boyd actually is in a lot more of our best fall leagues, which works out pretty well, so we don't have to worry about that decision too, too much. Um, but I do have Boyd in a couple of my home leagues, and I'm generally benching him at this point for uh, some more speculative options. I think it's better to kind of ease off of him, not really start him too much. Yeah, we, we, finally got one, we finally got one game of the Cincinnati high-powered passing attack, but it's only been one game. I remember some victory laps from people who drafted Joe Mixon earlier in this year when he was getting 25, 30 touches a game for week one and week two. Uh, we don't know if that Bengals team's here here to stay or not, but uh, uh, that's where that's where Boyd's at right now. We believe – got to follow up about the Bengals, guys, because we, we believe in, the, in yeah. the Bengals in this part of the country. And, and I'm – that they sure were an aggressively bid defense uh, this week, and I've got a question about the Jets, but I got one more thing to ask you about Boyd. Do you see yeah. a, the type of team that he might be successful against? The type of defense that 
they may have to turn to him and rely on him? Or is it just that Chase and Higgins, and to a lesser degree even the tight end are doing to use them up, are doing such a great job getting open and catching the ball that that Boyd is underneath uh, running shorter routes doesn't become a target. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends. I think if you're looking at teams that are running a lot of zone, you have chances for Boyd to find pockets in the zone to get open underneath, like you're talking mm-hmm. about. Um, those are good. Those are good options there. Um, they may be able to, you know, double. Uh, a guy like Chase a little bit more, cut, make, you know, cut him off from the deep threat was a little bit more than has been happening lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, the, the way that they're playing and obviously the skill set that we've seen from Jamar Chase, it's really hard to justify yeah. and it's really hard to see them not getting him the ball as much as humanly possible going forward. I mean, he's clearly already an elite receiver in the league and it's just hard to see them not you know, just piping the ball to him as much as they can. I just remain a little stubborn about that player, and you had to give draft capital to get him, and I just hate the thought of of not playing him when he does have his game. Now, I don't hate the thought of playing any Jet receiver this weekend. And uh, when it comes to lack of targets, and targets coming from a young and questionable situation, uh, in dealing with Corey Davis, you did not have to give draft capital up for him. Jameson Crowder, you might have spent some free agency money. Is there – it's not going to happen this weekend, but assuming that we don't get Wilson back at quarterback for the Jets, and even when and, and if we do, what's the future for Davis and any other wide receiver that you see with the Jets? And, and is it a spot start, or do you still treat him like a number one receiver who's going to get his opportunities? Well, for this particular week, reports came out that um, Crowder's – or sorry, not Crowder, Corey Davis is looking doubtful to play this week. Right. So for this week, you can safely leave him on the bench. But for the future, once Wilson comes back, he's probably uh, like a low-end flex kind of player, I would say. And um, for Crowder, for this week, unless you're looking for anywhere from five to eight points, you could probably find a better alternative on your bench or on waivers. I need to see some sort of rhythm from the Jets passing offense before I can lean on them more than anything for a spot start at this point. I was hoping the second half of the Tennessee game would kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Zach Wilson a little bit. Like he's, he's an exciting Uh player and someone who I want to get, want to see more of the flashes, but right now they're, they're not stringing anything together. And obviously the the injury to the the young quarterback is a bit of a dagger uh, for that offense's development. So it's hard to get too excited about any of the pieces uh, in the near future. Yeah. You can really only start Michael Carter on the right now. Yeah. And I think you're right. And and you talk about the rhythm too. I mean, you don't want to see rhythm from Mike white, you know, or Joe Flacco going forward. You want to see rhythm for Zach Wilson. And now he's got the knee injury, too. So if you want to see something, it's going to be a little bit till you see the starting quarterback click with the ones again. Uh, these guys, to me, are, are kind of bench guys, uh, unless you're desperate, going forward. Don Barani, Sean Stutzman, and Nick Costantino, the uh, guests tonight on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Third place overall in the FFPC main event. Let's, uh, let's uh, pit it back to, uh, to Dom here. Julio Jones already been ruled out by the Titans this week. Um, is he more name than game at the, at this point, Tom? Is he a guy that, you know, you certainly don't want to cut in high stakes leagues, 
But it's going to be tough for, for him to start going forward, at least my opinion is, is that. How do you feel about Julio Jones right now? No, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be excited about starting him um, if, if I'm in a spot right now, especially after this week seven bye that I'm starting him. I don't think I'm, I'm particularly excited about it. With that being said, he's obviously not not droppable, particularly because his end of the season schedule is quite favorable. And and if you came into the season thinking that Julio was going to play more than 14 games, um, I don't feel, feel like you've been watching football for the last six years. I think that was realistic, realistically. Uh, ex- expected that he was going to miss some time. Um, so I'm not uh, – the different piece of Julio I have, right, like I'm not I'm not too bummed out yet, and I have reason to be excited that he might be a useful piece later. Um, Tennessee hasn't been the efficient – the surprisingly efficient passing game that we've seen the last year and a half or so with Tannehill. Um, that's not to say it's not possible, and frankly they're getting results right now and, and competing in the AFC where – um, there's still reasons to be to be bullish on the offense, so I'm not writing Julio off just yet. I've, I've got a question, guys. It's a general question, and you can go along with it. And I wish I had some examples that I, I didn't write them down before the question, and I could say the answer to this question is all of them because we've all now survived week seven. We're talking about Jets. We're talking about Julio. We're talking about. We're trying to turn over every stone we can to find an opportunity. And, and I, I just am curious what you might, you know, what is your toughest start for this week? And I don't think this means, you know, i got guys injured and I've got to choose between two guys who have relatively low uh, ceilings. I, I think this might mean, do I start Marvin Jones? Yeah, here's one of mine. Marvin Jones or Amari Cooper with Dak out? And I think that's a slam dunk Marvin Jones for me the longer that I think about it. Have you got many like that and some that some of our listeners might be struggling with where, they, where you can give them a little heads up on what you're thinking? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think our toughest one this week um, is in one of our main event teams. It's We have a, a choice in one of our flex spots between Devontae Smith and Chase Claypool, and that's oh. obviously a nice problem to have. Yeah. Um, but it's a that's a that's a really tough decision because the matchups for both are really really nice. You have to love Smith, you know, going against a really bad Detroit uh, defense. You know, should be a pretty good pretty good game script there. They should be throwing the ball a little bit. You know, Detroit's offense tries to throw the ball. We'll see if they have any success. But and then Claypool, obviously with Juju out, he's going to get a ton of targets. Ben loves to pepper the ball to him and Deontay all day, so it's really, really a tough decision. And we're not—we have not made—we have not made that decision yet. Actually, we're still kind of trying to go over that one in our heads and try to figure out where we stand on it. Um, I personally am probably leaning towards Devontae Smith at this point, but it's a very, very close call. Both guys have great matchups. Balky and I well, are always you know talking about if you think wrong, you think wrong. And so how long will you guys stay with this? How long will you I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, you don't agree with that? It, seems, it just seems that way. I don't know if it's really the – I don't know if I could prove it numerically and statistically that that's always the yeah. way. But it seems like your last move at the 12th hour on Sunday at noon is always the wrong one. No, we well, do hope have, we try we to lock them in. We have I'm, a drop that. Yeah, I was gonna say we have like a final answer. Like we're not making any really last minute pivots. 
Um, isn't fantasy football great? You have a Marvin Jones versus Amari Cooper decision. How many times do you think you're picking <laughs> Marvin yeah. Jones versus Amari Cooper just like two months ago? <laughs> Who would you guys and I will choose say between this. Chase? Well, I'll, I'll, okay, let me answer the Claypool. Um, first of all, I know what Farrell's going to say because, you know, it could be Chase Claypool or God himself, and Farrell would say, well, who's God playing this week? You know, it's one of those things. Um, so, so I, he loves himself some, some Chase Claypool. But I, I'll say this um, as far as the think long, think wrong. In my experience, um, usually when I sit and hash out a lineup decision – um, over the course of a couple of days rather than, you know, a couple of hours or a couple of minutes. I, 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 you, and, and if I go with a player, I go with the player that um, I wasn't initially going to take. In other words, I go against my first instinct. Usually that has proved to be wrong for me. And that's why I always say think long, think wrong, because it, for me it's usually my first instinct is, is batting much higher. Than, than if I overanalyze it. That's just been my personal experience. It's different for everybody. As far as Chase Claypool and um, uh, um, uh, Devontae Smith go this week, you're right. They both do have really good matchups this week, and it's, and it's tough to, to pick one. And, and in fact, it's, it's, it's you know, oftentimes we, we pick wrong on these decisions. I am going to say this, and this is not going to be very helpful because Farrell is going to say, well, you're playing Claypool at Cleveland for sure. I think I might play Devontae Smith at Detroit. I don't think the Eagles are necessarily a very good team. I know the Lions are not a good team. And usually when you get two teams together that are not very good, they tend to put up a lot of points. So that's how I view the Devontae Smith thing. Uh, I think he has a really good game against the Lions. I would lean towards Devontae Smith over Chase Claypool. Farrell, uh, I'll let you say whatever you want about, uh, about Chase Claypool now. <laughs> Well, naturally, guys, I'm going to go with Claypool, but it might be a little different in making my my choice. You know, the coming off of the bye week is a big thing for me. I think a lot of sins get get healed, and a lot of errors can be swept aside, and we, and we kind of get a new start. So that's that's why I one of the reasons I like Claypool. I'm looking at uh, I watched Detroit play this engaging game, and I, I watched that game uh, for the second time. Uh, during the week, they have a defensive back number 41 named A.J. Parker, who is a free agent acquisition out of college that made the team and is now starting for them. And that doesn't happen uh, unless you've had injuries or you were struggling with, with, with talent at the position. And Detroit has had both. But A.J. had a real good game last week, uh, tackles, pass breakups. So I am thinking uh, that Detroit – uh, has a little bit more going on defensively than we're than we would be likely to admit. So that adds to my decision um, to go with Claypool. So yeah, it's Claypool all day for me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we appreciate the advice for sure. Yeah, call us back. Uh, and I appreciate oh, you guys getting Claypool. I appreciate yeah, you guys getting yeah. Claypool in the story, in the in the show. Usually I have to do it, but tonight, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we listened to a few episodes before this. We picked up all the cues. There you yeah, go. no, there yeah, you go. Claypool, like, it, it, Claypool is, is sort of the unofficial third co-host of this show, uh, no question. And I think, as, uh, if, it, yeah, I, I think <laughs> if you go back, you'll find some Italian heritage in his family. So I, I think <laughs> it did. 
Uh, so I, I, you know, yeah, Claypool. That's what you need. I, I, would, I right, wouldn't so, doubt it. Cause uh, uh, I want to, I want to point this one to you. As long as we we were just talking about Devontae Smith's Eagles, Miles Sanders, according to Ian Rappaport, <clears throat> either has been placed on injured reserve or will be placed on injured reserve shortly. So now you have Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott in that backfield. Um, which one is the play going forward here for you, Cause? Would you encourage people to start Gainwell as the guy, or is it Boston Scott? Yeah, moving forward, it's going to be Gainwell. But, you know, for this particular week, it actually feels like Philly might have a positive game script. So they might be in, uh, you know, the kind of game where they can run it a little bit more because they've been throwing it a lot. Um, so I, I still think for this week it's going to be Gainwell for the simple fact that Philadelphia likes Jordan Howard way more than any team should probably like Jordan Howard. So you might see him out there for like 10 <laughs> plays or so. So, yeah, I think he might dip into Boston Scott's, you know, usage a little bit. So I think with even with them being in a potential in – a, in a positive game script, I still think Gainwell will score more points for this particular week and moving forward. Guys, running backs down in um, down in New Orleans got a little bit of a boost from a football perspective, and I think it's a benefit uh, from a fantasy perspective because with Alvin Kamara, the teams that you are rostering Alvin Kamara, you have to look at the way he's playing and say, man, it's just too much. This player can't hold up. I, I need him to be. Uh, my uh, every week write-in player is my number one draft pick every week, and and be ready to play. And I just I, I'm happy that Mark Ingram is joining him. Take some of that goal line, take some of that short yardage. Let Alvin Kamara stay with fresh legs to do what he does in the in the fourth quarter, run past over and through everyone, both when he does carry the ball and catch the ball. Are you guys thinking that? Uh, the same way I am, that that it is a bonus for Camara owners that, that Ingram will now be there? Or do you think Ingram's going to be successful and may get too much of a play? Uh, and, and I guess the follow-up question to that, I'll go ahead and put it in now, is, is having Taysom Hill not there, this looks this looks a lot better to me. But Taysom Hill, if Taysom Hill were playing – uh, I might be somewhat troubled by Kamara's ad. So the, that's that's my thoughts on it, and I'd rather hear what you guys are saying. Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll take a pass at a, few, a couple points there and let, let the boys take the rest. I believe Alvin Kamara is a very happy man right now. I don't think it takes yeah. a football expert yeah. to realize watching the games that smashing this guy between the tackles and having him take all these carries is op- anywhere near optimal for New Orleans. Uh, I wouldn't let – the bias of the fact that Ingram, you know, left this team, got cut from this team, uh, dissuade you from realizing this is a good situation. This is a good football move for the New Orleans Saints. Um, so I, I think this will be a net good thing for Kamara. I'm sure there will be some vultured goal line work that people will be salty about from time to time. But overall, I mean, for the player, for the workload, for the team, I think this is great. As far as Taysom, Taysom Hill is concerned, Yes, he is always going to be a useful – he's just a great football player, right? He's always going to be a useful piece, but I I think some of the volume we are seeing with the fact that they really didn't have a second running back. uh, I know we – it doesn't feel like too long ago we were a little bit excited about Tony Jones, um, but realistically the the lack of depth there, I think, um, you know, called on on Taysom to to use that skill set a bit. I'm – yes, in the short run, for sure it's, you know – 
one less guy who can get a rushing attempt. Um, but I, I don't foresee that being um, a significant barrier to, to Kamara uh, posting big numbers. All right, so let's get into uh, a, a couple of emails. Oh, well, first of all, um, Kaz, uh, Sean, do you guys have anything to add uh, about that be- before we move on to some listener emails? Not why we're great teammates, because uh, I pretty much agree with everything he just said. That was well, well. It does appear to be more of a disaster for New Orleans letting Latavius Murray walk in the preseason Terrible. and now having to trade a draft capital for Mark Ingram when they could have just had that guy in their backfield along with Kamara. But, mm-hmm. you know, neither here nor there. Um, uh, let me tell you what is uh, here and there and some emails that came in for you guys this week. And the first one is from Randy in Austin, Texas. Um, let's throw this one to Sean. I'll let you handle this one. Sure. This is a good question for yeah. you guys being Bills fans. Is Devin Singletary only going to be startable if Zach Moss goes down? Or is the Buffalo offense powerful enough to make him flex-worthy? Thanks, guys. That's Randy in Austin, Texas. So, Sean, I'll let you go first on this. Uh, but certainly, Dom and, yep. and Kaz, if you have anything to say about this, I want you to chime in when Sean's done. Yep. Yep. So, I, 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 think, I think Singletary's flex-worthy most weeks. I think the Bills' offense is powerful enough to carry him forward. I think he still sees targets in the passing game. They still do like dumping the ball off to him here and there. Um, however, the fact that Zach Moss has really seemed to take the reins a little bit more in the running game for the Bills it has to be pretty frustrating for Singletary owners at this point. It would be, for, it is for us. We do have him in a, in a league and it's, you know, it's something where you really can't, we really aren't running Singletary out there in the flex. Most often we do have better options normally in a desperation situation. You could start him, but barring an injury to Moss, I think long-term you have to, you really have to consider what you're going to do with Singletary unless there's another shift in the power structure of that backfield. Um, but it seems unlikely at this point. Yeah, you have to be pretty slim at running back option to be to be throwing him at uh, you know an RB two spot. But you might be able to sneak him at you know your second flex in certain weeks if you're you know hurting on bye weeks or injuries. Uh, we were talking Tom, about let, let the me... bye weeks earlier. Yeah, no, we can go. We can move on. I mean, we'll all have an opinion on the Bills. You know that. Well, no, I, <laughs> I was going to say just, we were talking end... bye weeks earlier. Let, let, Sorry, Dom, let me just end. Let me let me just end it, the the Singletary Moss discussion with this. So with with Moss being a, a, essentially the guy right now, do you do high stakes owners have to find a way to make sure that he is started for them every single week? In other words, is, is that Buffalo offense so extremely explosive that Moss is? I don't want to say matchup proof, but regardless of who they're playing, Moss has to be in your starting lineup. I don't think that's the case. No, I, I don't think I don't think the running back position in the Bills offense is matchup proof. Um, I, I I don't know. It is right now the case that Zach Moss is clearly I won't say one. I'm gonna say one A. He's the clear one A right now. But given how these guys have the usage has fluctuated over the past, some due to injury and, and returning from, but. Other times not, almost almost seemingly randomly. Um, we do we do are just coming off a bye week here. Uh, would not shock me to see in plus game script Singletary get some more run. And no, I don't think Moss is, is an auto start. I, I think you are looking for spots, um, really good like smash, five touchdown potential games for the Bills um, this week against Miami. 
certainly being one of them. Uh, I'm playing Moss wherever I have him this week. Um, but I don't think every game uh, is going to work out that way, and I don't necessarily think the running back position is, is that fruitful for Buffalo all the time. Uh, all right. I, Good to know. Next. Go ahead. Oh, okay, yeah. I think for the next few weeks, Zach Moss is startable because the Bills have a super cakey schedule. We're facing super weak defenses. So for the next few weeks, you can probably plug him in, you know, confidently. But after that, um, we got some tougher opponents like the Saints and then Tampa Bay. So you could get off a moss for matchups like that. But, yeah, for the next few matchups, he's pr- you probably want to get him in there. Well, this, this next emailer we have, it's Rich in Carbondale, Illinois, and he's talking about a tough matchup for Brandon Cooks this week. He writes, would you – and, and Kaz, I'll, I'll throw this one to you first. Would you roll with Brandon Cooks this week against that Rams D – or should I switch him out for Emmanuel? Oh, another Bills question. Or should I switch him out for Emmanuel Sanders against the Finns? Rich in Carbondale, Illinois. Thank you for listening. Thank you for emailing. So, Kaz, what would you do here if you had Cooks against the Rams? Would you bench him for Emmanuel Sanders against Miami? Oh, I'd be smashing oh, Emmanuel be Sanders in that lineup real easy. Yeah, his the Brandon Cooks going against Ramsey as opposed to Emmanuel Sanders going against. Uh, a slightly depleted secondary. They might have both their cornerbacks starting this week, but even with them both healthy, uh, Josh Allen's going to have his have his way against Miami defense. So, yeah, that's an easy Emmanuel Sanders for me. Is that the popular even opinion, if, guys? Like, uh, even if Ramsey's for, for not Sanders? shadowing, even if Ramsey's not shadowing Cooks, I think that means that the defense of the Rams has that game so well under control where they frankly don't need. Uh, to have shadow coverage on the on the frankly only super productive player for the Texans right now, um, I'm a manual as well. Uh, biases and yeah, I mean, at the front door here, but how many points are is Houston going to score? Maybe ten at most. <laughs> well, I could tell. I, I'll, I'll, I'll let's go to what what our friends in the desert are saying right now. Uh, as far as that Houston game uh, Houston game goes, um, the total is forty six and a half but they're 15 and a half point underdogs. So, I mean, what is that? What does that put it at? It's 30 to 15, 30 to 15. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not great, Bob. Um, um, so in that <laughs> matchup there, so I think we're looking at Emmanuel Sanders uh, as well. Um, so, uh, Rob is, Rob is telling me we are fresh out of emails. So we have a, a dynamite final question here for the fellas. Oh, okay, fellas, I really enjoy this, and I'm going to ask you my uh, regular question, but I just need a name real quick. I, I, yeah, one more of those starts, and I got I can't let you guys get away without me getting your input. And, boy, this one really stinks to the high heaven, but here it is. Same field this Sunday. Do I start Singletary or Miles Gaskin? Oh, that stopped them. That really stopped them in their tracks, Balky. That really shut one. the guys That's down. A trap wow. question. That's a trap question for us. Bill well, it is. Sure. I, I, I think my answer decision, is because it's all I have. Yeah, I've got to make yeah, I think, I think I also I think, I think I also lean Gaskin, just because I think there will be some volume there, and I think you will have some opportunities to catch the ball out of the backfield, and I don't know how much that's going to come across for Singletary, and I think – Gaskin will get some more some goal line play, especially with Malcolm Brown out. I think they'll keep Gaskin out there. So I think you'll see a little bit more uh, opportunity for Gaskin. I think he's worth the start over Singletary. Thank you, guys. That's yeah. a wonderful contribution, yeah. as well as the term that will that will live on in my 
lexicon for as long as I live, and I will use it often, super cakey. I like that. Super cakey <laughs> is something that I'm going to go forward with. I wish that my early round draft picks had provided me super cakey, easy decisions, but it hasn't <laughs> been that way for me week in, week out. And, you know, you, you feel like, you know, you got to start them. Is there one early round draft pick this week that – People will put in their lineups, and you guys will uh, love it if you're playing against them because you don't see production. And then please give me a sleeper uh, and uh, that that we can count on, that we can live with, that we can can be so proud of ourselves. I've got a couple in mind, and, and I and I hope that uh, they line up with yours. Who wants to take it first? I'll go Don, first. Go so I. Uh, this this week uh, I feel I'm not I'm not a big fan of DK I think DK Metcalf's going to struggle I, obviously the quarterback mm. situation there is not great so I'm a little lower on DK this week if I see him if I see we're against him I feel like we got a good chance good. to see a dud there and then as for a sleeper I'm uh, I'm high on the uh, Pat uh, Fryermuth bandwagon this week yeah. Ebron out I think the target share is going to be way higher. If you need a tight end, I think he's the way to go, especially if you're streaming tight ends. He's uh, he's a really like good the, option. I like the Friermuth call for sure. My co-host for my, my local fantasy football show here in Northeast Wisconsin also said DK Metcalf, temper expectations there. You know, Geno Smith, and, and yep. not to mention, they're at home against the, the Jaguars too. I mean, that could be a an Alex Collins, you know, DJ Dallas, whatever, yep. Rashad Penny type game too. So I think that that yep. – uh, that goes without saying that you got to temper expectations on, on DK Metcalf. All right, guys, who's next? Who wants to take? Who wants to go with their bus and sleeper next? I'll go quick. I'm rooting so hard okay. for Calvin Ridley to get better, and the offense has been doing a little bit better, but I don't think uh, there is a monster game coming from Calvin Ridley this week. And my sleeper, um, so long as the injury report kind of shakes out right for him, uh, is Darius Slayton on Monday night against the Chiefs. Mm. Okay, and then mine Todd, would Todd, be yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so then for me, um, the the stud that I'm looking to leave on the bench this week is Antonio Gibson. Um, he's been he's been banged up the last you know four or five weeks with that shin injury. Um, it's looking like he logged a full practice today, so he's looking you know healthier than he has been. But I still don't see him breaking out this week. I think we're looking at after the bye week for him potentially breaking out, and then. For my sleeper pick, Khalif Raymond from the Detroit Lions. Yeah, his target there share you go. Been, his target share has been going up the last two games. They got, like, no one else to throw to. Hawkinson's looking a little healthier now. So, I just see him having a solid little, you know, double-digit game. Um, the other thing to keep in mind, too, with Khalif Raymond, and I, and I saw this today, Jared Goff compared him to Cooper Cup. Of, of all people, which is, which is, you know, really it. So, I mean, stuff like that, you know, okay, it's Jared Goff. He doesn't know where the sun rises or whatever, but still he's the guy throwing the Khalif Raymond. And so I, I think that that bears, you know, if you got the open roster spot, the 16 bye week is behind us. Might not be the worst idea in the world to pick up Khalif Raymond. I'll tell you what else is not the worst idea in the world to listen uh, to what these guys have to say. Don Barani, Sean Stutzman, Nick Costantino, I mean, you guys were great tonight. You guys have been managing uh, a ton of great teams this year, including the third-place team in the FFPC main event. Can't thank you enough for carving out a little time tonight. Uh, go Bills. 
I expect to see you guys uh, smashing through some uh, folding tables in Orchard Park here coming up in, in the next <laughs> couple of weeks. Can't wait to see that. And I'll definitely next time I'm in Buffalo, maybe we, well, maybe we can we can arrange for a Packers Bills get together at the Super Bowl this year. Ooh. That would be a lot of fun. Oh, no. uh, but most of that sounds like a plan. Most importantly, I wish you guys nothing but the best of luck trying to cash that half million bucks in the FFPC main event this year. You have been great. Thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend. Happy Halloween, and we'll talk soon. Thank Thanks, you so John. much for having Appreciate it. it. Thank you, fellas. Awesome Invite us again. There for, well, yeah, we will. We will. We will. We will uh, listen, we're going to – man, I'll tell you what. If, this, if the Packers and Bills play in the Super Bowl, we're going to have these guys back on, and we're going to – we're going to figure out something uh, for that. Stir it up a little bit, aren't you, Bucky? Yeah, I am. Stir it up a little bit. Is the Super Bowl in in, um, in in Arizona this year? Where is it? No, sir. It's in Los Angeles, California. Lost. Oh, that's right. Stan Kroenke's uh, uh, monstrosity. That's right. Okay, so we'll plan an LA. <laughs> if I don't make it to Louisville, if I don't make it to Louisville for the KFFSC Super Bowl party. And and the Packers are in the Super Bowl. I'm going to be hanging out with all uh, my Buffalo friends if the Bills and Packers indeed are in La La Land. Can't wait for that. Uh, you will stuff be, those guys. Uh, Balky, you will be absolved for any responsibility of, of being here in <laughs> Kentucky for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Now, now, Buffalo fans want me nowhere near the Super Bowl because I was there when Norwood hit it and hit it wrong. And I've got some good stories about that weekend, but you know it's too late in the show to go through them now. Didn't you love their sleepers and how they brought it? And and I, I just, you know, Friar Muth is, is is one of my sleepers, yeah. but Khalif Raymond, I've known this this player a long time from, and, and I dug in a little bit more about him. You know, Balky, when he came out of high school, he was in Lawrenceville, Georgia, five foot eight. 137 pounds and all these other players we're talking about with these great sec schools this great history with them you know where the kid goes to college and when you're from georgia and you're 5 8 137 he's a holy cross crusader bulky he goes from holy cross he spent four years trying to play in the nfl where in four years they've thrown him the ball 35 times and they let him return a few punts and now he's getting his chance. And, you know, Detroit's going to win a game pretty soon, and this kid's going to be right in the middle of making it happen. And so, you know, I think that's a great sleeper, and he might be he might be an every week flex play for me um, you know, with this team. He's, a, he's an excellent almost, choice. I mean, it's almost inarguable at this point that he is the Lions' number one receiver. Um, he's oh, got yeah. 39 targets on the season. You, you look at his game logs, uh, Farrell, over the last five weeks, he had one game where he had fewer than six targets, and I don't know if that was yeah. if he got hurt in the Vikings game or not. But he only had two targets there. But I mean, you look at last week, six for a buck fifteen. The week before that, he had six catches. Yeah, he's had three games this year at least with six catches. This is a waiver wire guy. You can't find guys like this, and and he's still available no. in league. So I like Khalif Raymond for sure going forward um, uh, as a a flyer wide receiver and a guy that you can look out at flexing. Okay. Let's go hyperspeed with these emails here. Ron in Tucson, Arizona, Dear Balky and Farrell, I grabbed Dan Arnold off the waiver wire in the mm. Football Guys League and I'm contemplating flexing him out over Mo Alley Cox, uh, Cox this weekend because I have Mark Andrews on by. Which one should I go with? Keep up the great work on the podcast. That's Ron in Tucson, Arizona. So, 
Dan Ar- it comes down to Dan Arnold or Mo Alley Cox this week, Farrell. How are you falling in on this? This is easy. Mo Alley Cox is the golden child of the Indianapolis Colts red zone. And Dan Arnold, he's had chances before and has disappointed us. He's got, you know, two first names and not a whole lot of excitement. So, yeah, let's pass on Dan Arnold. Let's go with Mo yeah. Alley Cox. Yeah, I think that I'm with you on this. Ali Cox got into the into the end zone last week, and the, the Titans secondary is nothing exactly to write home about, so I like him this week as well. Rod in Rocky Mount, Virginia. Hey, fellas, do I go with Daniel Jones leading a beat-up offense against an historically bad Chiefs defense on Monday Night Football, or is trusty Ryan Tannehill the correct mm. start instead. That's Rod and Rocky Mount, Virginia. I just mentioned it um, as far as the, the Titans go. Ryan Tannehill is at the Colts this week. So, Farrell, where, where do you fall in on this? Tannehill or Daniel Jones against the Chiefs? I think you can trust Ryan Tannehill to flirt with 15 or 16 fantasy points for you. You can trust him to hand the ball to Derrick Henry. You know, if you've got Daniel Jones on your roster – Chances are you had him there because you have Lamar Jackson. And so this is the reason you had him there all year and you need to play him. Uh, it, it's going to be a roller coaster at times, but Daniel Jones will come into his own, and he has players uh, in this game that will step up and support him. I'm not sure what's happening there at the running back position, but I don't think it matters because both of these guys, Barkley returning from injury in a limited role, Booker playing will give all the help that Jones needs to support that passing offense. Another one of my sleepers here is uh, Dante Pettis, uh, who turned in a great game last week. Uh, yeah, Daniel Jones all the way. This is an easy choice for me. Yeah, and I'm with you on that, too. I mean, the secondary can't cover anybody. We've seen Daniel Jones do it with his legs as well. And there's a chance, there's a chance Sterling Shepard could actually be active for this game as well. We will uh, we will check that out. Uh, Colts have an underrated defense too, so I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with Daniel Jones uh, there with you as well, Farrell. All right, Josh in Miramar, Florida. Do you think the Jets will run the ball more with Michael Carter this week with Zach Wilson out? I could go with him or Melvin Gordon against Washington. What would you guys do? Thanks so much. That is Josh in Miramar, Florida. Josh, thank you for listening. Thank you for emailing Michael Carter or Melvin Gordon this week. This is interesting, too, because Melvin Gordon's been seeding more and more touches to Javante Williams here going forward. Uh, Michael Carter uh, seems to be the guy that, that is going to be the, the lead guy in that backfield. Kevin Coleman, once again, out this week with the injury. Farrell, are you feeling good enough to start Carter against the Bengals' defense over Gordon, or is, is Gordon, no, Gordon at home at mile high? Gordon's my easy, easy choice here. Uh, the, Gordon, you, you think that he is seeding uh, rushes. And I, I think that too, but it's still about 55 to 45 Gordon uh, in the carries for this team. And it, uh, this is just what the doctor ordered Washington football club uh, for Melvin Gordon. He can catch it. He can run it. He can, he can uh, do exactly uh, the way he terrorized certain teams in the AFC West uh, he'll continue to do that uh, this time against Washington Football Club. Now, my, there is a young player named Wilson that will be playing uh, in the uh, Jets-Bengals uh, game, and he's on the defensive side of the ball for the Bengals, and I bring everybody's attention. This is why you wanted to get the Bengals off the waiver wire this week, and it's number 55. It's the middle linebacker 
for uh, Cincinnati, Logan Wilson. He was a Wyoming yeah. cowboy. He wore, and, and, and let me tell you, the, the fellow said it right. For fantasy purposes, about all you want to do is, is be in business with Michael Carter. And the Bengals know this, too. They've got to run a lot through Michael Carter. Carter might have – might do some some fantasy scoring this weekend, but I believe it's all going to be catching the ball, not running the ball because of Wilson. You know, okay, so a few things to unpack here. Number one, I wanted uh, Green Bay to go after uh, Logan Wilson um, oh, in perfect. the draft this year, and, and it would have been such a good fit. Uh, it didn't work out that way, but he's been very, very good. Now, okay, so let's talk about Melvin Gordon and the Broncos here. To me, there's no perimeter threats with Mike White throwing the ball to no Corey Davis and, you know, Jamison Crowder, whatever. Um, so it, the defense can sort of what we saw in the Packers-Cardinals game last night. You know, that Arizona loaded up with all those goal line defenses inside the five because they didn't respect Malik Taylor or Jawan Winfrey or Randall Cobb or any of the guys out on the perimeter. And, and I think that could happen in this Jets-Bengals game. There's no reason to respect any of the, the, the wideouts that the Jets have on the perimeter so you can load up on Michael Carter. But if you look at Denver, Farrell, and this leads into my Jerry Judy question here, <laughs> he rested today and it sounded like he was going to be going this week, but he, they didn't activate him off injured reserve. And a mm. DNP on Friday usually means a DNP on Sunday. What's your read on whether Jerry Judy is going to be activated in time, and how does that affect what what um, what Melvin Gordon can do if there's one less uh, threat on the perimeter? It doesn't because they have such great uh, play at the position, and they'll get more Tim Patrick. And Tim Patrick's a very good player. Jerry Judy is eventually a Pro Bowl player if he can stay healthy in the league. You want to get Judy on the field. But there's so much talent, especially with the tight end fan, especially with Cortland Sutton. This is a team that is complete on the offensive side of the ball. The only reason they don't score tons and tons and tons of points is they don't have a dynamic offense with a dynamic quarterback. Man, if they had a dual-threat quarterback with these guys, forget about it. You plug Daniel Jones out of the New York Giants and you put him on that roster, it's a whole different ball game for everybody. And, and that's probably forthcoming. You know, Being here from Louisville, we're all Teddy Bridgewater fans. But Teddy does not uh, play with the urgency that I think is necessary to get the best out of these wide receivers. But there's enough at the wide receiver position. And, you know, when, when you when you quit respecting the players that you're playing against, it, it, it hurt. It very, very much hurt Arizona last night. And you can't take plays off uh, A.J. Green, a veteran player that didn't quite get his wake-up call on that play. Fantastic ending to that game. Are you going to are you going to uh, speed ahead, Balky, in the in the, uh, in the recorded uh, game and, and just keep watching that ending over and over again? <laughs> well, I'm, I, it's four minutes to go in the third quarter, so when I'm oh, catching yeah. up on some work tonight, I'll, I'll be able to watch the end of it. It's, it's great. Um, we do have one more email, but I forgot I was going to bring this up earlier in the show with you, Farrell. I, I already gave my answer in the chat room to Professor Hudson Kern Reeve, but Dak Prescott. I said he's not worth waiting on on Sunday night football based on what I, I read from Mike McCarthy today, what he had to say based on what Dak Prescott I had to say, and the fact that he, he was very limited in practice again today. It sounds like he's going to miss. I'm not waiting around on Sunday night football, and I certainly don't want to pick up Cooper Rush and start him against Minnesota Sunday night. I'm finding other alternatives instead of Prescott this week. What are you doing? 
Yeah, I'll have to do that. Fortunately, I have uh, good backups already rostered. So my questions will then be with the receivers. And you, I don't think with any quarterback that you want to bench C.D. Lamb. You'll have to examine your tight end options. If you're an FFPC player, you should have tight end options. And, and Schultz uh, may not have to start for you. So I think the real question there is Cooper. But, man, you load in the running backs. And here's the guy that you'd have to start in that situation, Pollard becomes a must-start. He's a flex, a running yeah. back, too. If I have Pollard and Elliott, I'm playing them both. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think I – in fact, I think I have one. I, I think I have a Kentucky team where I might be doing that same – I've already done Elliott and go. Pollard as my starting two running backs in that league before. Um, I might be doing that again this week. Okay, final email here we have tonight. It's Tom in Nebraska City, Nebraska. No Marquise Brown for me, so i got to flex out mm. one of these guys. Cole Beasley hosting Miami mm-hmm. or Jacoby Myers at the Chargers. Mm. Tom, thank you for the email. Uh, Beasley or Myers, is it, Farrell, for you this week? Uh, Jacoby Myers is a very, very good receiver, and he's doing a great job supporting this quarterback and helping the maturation of this guy. But you know what? we got to score touchdowns to score fantasy points. If you're going to win the FFPC, the KFFSC, if you're going to make yourself legendary like those guys we were talking to earlier, mm-hmm. you know, you 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 got to score some points. And, and you know, Jacoby Myers is uh, practicing – End zone virginity, Balky. This is, uh, yeah. you know, he's played 35 games. He cannot score the ball. Cole Beasley has quit running his mouth and started playing football again. He's had a couple games where he's had double-digit targets. He's always part of the offense. I would like to see a little bit more uh, consistency uh, in Cole Beasley, but I would play Cole Beasley in this game and uh, hope that, he is just part of uh, the continued uh, Buffalo offense. And, uh, you know, Beasley is on, on pace uh, to challenge those 90-plus uh, catches that he had last year. And I, I don't think you want to bench him, especially over a Jacoby Myers. Well, you know, the the other thing to keep in mind, too, you have Byron Jones and, and Xavier Howard um, in, in Miami. Well, who are they going to be covering? Well, probably Emmanuel Sanders and Stephon Diggs. Who does that open it yep. up for? Well, it opens it up for, for Cole Beasley. And in honor of our star-studded, uh, table-crashing Buffalo Bills fans that we had on the <laughs> show tonight, um, Barnani, uh, Stutzman, and uh, Cosentino, I am going to say Cole Beasley as well. I think you play him. I think you sit Jacoby Myers. Uh, if he scores a touchdown on your bench, so be it. He's been doing it for people for years where he just has not been able to find the end zone. I can't explain it. He's thrown for touchdowns, Farrell, has not caught <laughs> in the NFL. So bizarre. So bizarre. Uh, that is going to do it for our show this week, ladies and gentlemen. Farrell, uh, can't thank you enough for hopping aboard. What a pleasure it was. Always fun talking fantasy with you. Uh, follow Farrell on Twitter at uh, jfarrellelliot, at, uh, at KFFSC on Twitter, and, of course, KFFSC.com is where you want to go. Make sure you're registering for those leagues starting up in early 2022. You can compete against me and other uh, esteemed guests and FFPC players that we've had on this show as well. Farrell, happy Halloween, um, and uh, be safe. Make good decisions. And we'll do this again next Friday when we are in November, my friend. See you, Valky. See you then. Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football Players Championship, my co-host with the most on the program tonight. Uh, This completes tonight's broadcast. I want to thank Don Barnani, Sean Stutzman, Nick Costantino, 
Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you. Want to remind everybody uh, to check out rotoviz.com slash podcast uh, for the latest episode of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. It's myself and Adam Krautwurst from Draft Sharks, as well as uh, the, the co host of the Defense Fantasy Football Podcast that he does with Mike Schoep as well. Fun little broadcast tonight um, uh, on the HSF Hour. And that was a fun broadcast on Rotoviz as well. So make sure you're checking that out. Uh, we will be back next Friday at 10 9 Central. I hope everybody has a very happy and safe Halloween. Hopefully, we've all bounced. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. You know, for the last uh, 10 or 11 years, however, however long we've been doing this show, we've always made a point to always have it on Friday nights. And Friday nights is kind of a weird night to have it. And then there's other high-stakes podcasts um, that, that do Friday night shows. Um, you know, uh, Chasing the Helmet, I, I think, is a very popular Friday night show. We had Red versus Blue for a long time doing a Friday night show. Um, but Friday nights, you know, it's sort of your own night, right? Um, and, and I'm always fascinated with what people do after the show. You know, we wrap this up at 11 o'clock Eastern time every Friday night. And I always wonder what people are doing after. And it's always compelling to find out in the chat room. I personally am watching the replay of the Cardinals uh, Packers game on NFL Network. Hudson Kern Reeve and um, uh, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak are going to be YouTubing Norm McDonald jokes after the program. That's what they'll be watching tonight. And then uh, we all know that Tupacker watches the Allison Chains um uh, uh, unplugged um, uh, uh, album on YouTube after the show. Everybody's got their own thing. We're all doing our own thing after we do fantasy football. I hope everybody uh, share. We all share in the same thing on Sunday, and that's dominating fantasy football with some of the advice you heard from our guests tonight. I hope that happens. I wish everybody the best, and hopefully that is what does happen. If not, we'll be here for therapy next Friday, 10, 9 Central, with another great guest. And we'll help you work your uh, week nine lineups back into prominence. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk with you again next week.